The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise, because your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? the Son of Man, that you care for him. 
You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over all the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the flocks, the herds, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all that swim the path of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name. O Most High, Lord, God of heaven and earth, our Lord, we come today to this radio broadcast. I come asking, oh Jesus, would you move in power today in every heart listening? Would you come with your Holy Spirit? Will you bring a change? Thank you, Lord. I pray in your name. Amen. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. We had technical difficulties yesterday, so I was not able to broadcast this message. I pray you'll hear it very clearly today, however. I pray that your heart will be open to hear what is going to be said. It may be shocking to you. I don't come to simply give you a story or information. I come in order that your life can be changed, that after you've listened to this broadcast, you will determine that certain actions on your part, certain attitudes in your heart are not right, and you will change, you will make amends, you will be transformed by the presence of Jesus. You will repent and turn from that wickedness that's found in the inner part of your heart. I pray that today you will hear the word of the living God to you, and it will make a difference in your journey toward heaven. In the book of 1 Samuel, we find this terrifying story of of Eli and the Eli church. Today, we are very much like Eli. The religious practices go on. The traditions are carried out. The church calendar is followed. There are regular services. The business of the church goes forward. But in the midst of all of that happening, there are wicked men and women who are following the way of darkness. Men and women who are not sold out to Jesus, I'm praying that you're not one of those people, that your heart is grieved by what you see happening in the modern American church. The warning of this chapter that I'm going to share with you today, the warning is to wake up and search after Jesus and find a whole new level, a whole new depth of understanding, of commitment, and of righteousness. 
the sons of Eli, the scriptures say, were corrupt. The word corrupt in the Hebrew simply means rotten. Like a bowl of fruit that is so overripe and so rotten with mold that there's no redemptive quality to it. He's saying these sons of Eli are utterly rotten. And these are the pastors of the Eli church. says they did not know the Lord. Did you know just because a man stands or a woman stands and preaches before a congregation does not mean that they know the Lord? Just because you're an elder or a deacon does not mean that you know the Lord. It doesn't mean that you're walking righteous. It means that you may have a secret life of wickedness, of pride, of arrogance. The priest's custom with the people was that when a man would offer a sacrifice before God, he would come and dip out of the the water where it was boiling, where it was cooking with the spices. He would dip out and he'd take what he wanted. But not only that, he would say, I don't want any of this water-sodden meat. I want fresh meat, still with fat. They wanted filet mignon. And so the priests fattened themselves on the offerings given to the Lord God of heaven, much like is happening in the church today. If the man said to him, Let us burn the fat first, then take as much as your heart desires. He would answer him, No, you must give it to me now, and if you don't, I'll take it by force. Therefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred or despised the offering of the Lord. Now Eli is a a very old man. He heard everything that his sons did to all Israel. He heard how the sons, the two pastors, the associate pastors of the church, were having sex with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle. The workers in the in the church, there was wickedness, sexual uncleanness going on inside the church. He said to them, It's not a good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people transgress. If one man sins against another, God will judge him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? But they did not heed the voice of their father. The scriptures tell us that the Lord decided to kill them both. Now, what we're talking about today is the removal of the menorah. The candlestick in the in the holy compartment, that candelabra, that beautiful piece, the lampstand. It was called in Hebrew a menorah. There were two branches each side 
had three candles or three oil lamps. And then on top, there was the seventh. So there are seven lamps. And these seven lamps are the only source of light that they had in this tabernacle. Now, if you look with me in the book of Revelation, in the third chapter, there's something very interesting. I want to read to you a portion of that. And the angel of the church in Sardis write, And these things say, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. You are dead. Now, if you look in the first chapter of Revelation, verse 12, I saw seven golden lampstands, or seven golden menorahs, or or candles, or oil lights, seven oil lights. One like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. This is Jesus walking in the midst of these seven beautiful lights with fire, oil with fire. It said he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. So we have Jesus walking with seven stars in his hand, walking among the light. Now notice, verse 20, The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the the angels of the seven churches. Seven lights on the menorah in the holy compartment of the temple. Now in the new covenant, we have seven stars. Seven churches. And the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So in the new covenant, we have this beautiful imagery of the church with the pastor. The word angel in the Greek simply means messenger. The pastors are the messenger who bring God's word to the church. The church is the lampstand, a part of the menorah. Now, listen. Chapter 2. I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. In other words, I will come and remove the Holy Spirit. I will come and remove the church unless you repent. 
I will remove the church. Now, in our day, the church is usually not removed because we've adopted an institutional style so that the church, no matter what happens in it, will continue. It will have concerts, guest speakers. Whoever's the troublesome one will be removed. Pastor will be sent somewhere else, shipped out. Everything is back to the institutional model. Vacation Bible school goes on. Special events go on. Concerts being planned for the fall. No prayer meetings. No crying out to God. No weeping before the altar. No confrontation with sin. In fact, if anybody were to dare suggest that we should deal with sin, we want to kick them out quickly and get them out of sight. Because that might cause people to stop coming, and then they might stop giving their tithes and offerings, and then... Where's the church going to be? Because it'll close. There's no Holy Spirit power. It's all fakery. This is what we're facing in America. The church has pastors who are walking in sin, has people who are walking in sin and claiming God loves us unconditionally so we can walk this way and we're okay. God determined he was going to kill these two pastors, these two priests serving under Eli in the Eli church. Eli tries to remonstrate with his two associate pastors or priests, but they pay no attention. A man of God comes to give Eli a message. He says, this is verse, uh, 1 Samuel 2, verse 27. A man of God came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar the burnt offerings, the burnt incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel that they made by fire? Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offerings, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me? to make yourselves fat with the best of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your fathers would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, Far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house, so that there will be not one old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel, 
and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. For any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age. Now this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons on Hophni and Phinehas. In one day they shall die, both of them. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that every one who is left in your house will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver or a morsel of bread and say, Please put me in as one of the priestly positions that I may eat a piece of bread. In other words, they're going to come and just be hirelings. Uh, we are overcome today in America by hirelings. Smooth tongue, but no heart cry for righteousness, for holiness, no rebuke of the sin of our day. No mention of the abortion, the murder of babies. No mention of the sexual uncleanness. Even men in the Christian church sodomizing their wives. There are abominations going on amongst those who call themselves Christians that the Lord hates. Pride and envy, arrogance, backstabbing. Malice. Well, there's little boy Samuel. Sent by his mama, Hannah. And he's growing up in the presence of these two wicked sons. And with Eli. He hasn't heard the voice of God. But one evening... There's almost no revelation going on. There are no dreams, no visions. Eli is dead. They're all laying down for the night. It's just time they've gone to bed. The lamp of God still burning in the tabernacle. Samuel's laying on his bed. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he was missing his mama his daddy. He's just a boy. The Lord comes and stands beside his bed and calls Samuel. And he answers, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, who was close by, and he said, Here I am. You called me. Eli says, I didn't call. Lie down again. And so Samuel went and lay down. And again the Lord called, Samuel! Samuel's not afraid. He's been called before in the night by Eli. So he runs to Eli and he says, Here I am, you called me. He answered, I didn't call you, my son. Lie down again. And so Samuel, he didn't yet know the Lord. 
the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. And the Lord came and he called Samuel a third time. Again, a third time he went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli's perception is opened that it's the Lord who's calling this boy. The Lord is not calling Eli. Oh, I want you to get that. The Lord will not call a man or a woman who has their heart hardened in the way of sin, even though they're very religious and they lead the worship service, they lead the praise and worship, but they have a hard heart. They've lost their love for Jesus. There's no longer tears of passion or compassion or of repentance. There's no tears at all. A man said to me, Pastor, why don't I pray? why don't I cry anymore? I haven't cried for a long time. I said, Brother, pray that God will soften your heart. Ask him for the gift of tears. Ask him to break your heart. Some of you listening, when was the last time you wept before God? When was the last time you lay on your face before the Almighty and wept for your sin or for the sin of your family or the sin of your church or the sin of your pastor, the sin of America? Or are you like Lot? Are you like Lot living in a a wicked Gomorrah, Sodom or Gomorrah. Grieved by all the sin you see. Oh, that's awful sin. But no tears. Used to the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. Little defensive about it. Tries to protect the angels. Doesn't want to run. Afraid for his own life, doesn't stand up for the righteousness of God and say, Yes, this city deserves to be burned. No, he's got cattle and sheep and donkeys and goats, and they're all going to be destroyed. Lot's about to lose everything he has. The Lord didn't come and sit at Lot's house and eat with him, he went to Abraham's house. Will God bypass your house because you have no true deep love for Jesus other than some sentimental foolishness? But in terms of how you act, love is demonstrated by what you do, not what you say. Eli's perception was opened. And so he said, to Samuel, go lie down again. And it shall be if he calls you that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. I'd imagine that Samuel lay down without any sleep in his eyes, waiting for the sound of the voice of God. As he lay there waiting, the Lord came and stood beside him. 
and said, Samuel, Samuel, speak for your servant hears. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In other words, what what I'm going to tell you is going to be like an electric shock. It will be startling. For 300 years, the children of Israel in the promised land have gone to Shiloh. They have met there in the tent of meeting. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. I've had to deeply repent because I've known of people in the church who've been extremely vile and wicked and unclean. And I rebuked them, but I did not kick them out of the church. Oh, pastor, the church is is a hospital for sinners. No, the church is the called out ones, the ecclesia. Before you come to church, repent. Come to church repenting getting clean. It's not a place to continue walking in sin before Almighty God. Your life is in danger if you do such. We've made God into some big sky grandpa, some sky Santa Claus. He's not. Spoken of in Revelation, he is Jesus with a sword coming out of his mouth, fierce for righteousness. He continues, And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. In other words, these wicked sons... I am going to bring death to them and there will be no opportunity for them to repent. They have crossed the line. You need to understand you can cross a line with God. Don't play with him. I don't know when your bucket of sin is full and overflowing and the Lord says, okay, that's it. You're done. You're finished. It's over. Well, Samuel lay down until morning. I'm sure he didn't sleep one wink. He went about his duties in the morning, opening up the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to see Eli. He was afraid to tell him the vision, the word of God that came to him in the night. But Eli called Samuel, and he said, Samuel, my son? He answered, Here I am. What is the word the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. 
God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Eli, come on, get real. Why didn't God speak to you? Why is he speaking to a boy? So Eli threatens a boy. He bullies a boy. Because God spoke to the boy and not to him. Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And Eli said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. What a wicked reply. Eli should have fallen down on his face before the Almighty God and began to weep and beg for mercy and repent of his sin. Instead, he said, Well, let the Lord do whatever is good to him. Let him kill my boys, in other words. Let him kill me. Let him destroy Shiloh. Oh, my brother and sister, we've got to come to a place of understanding regarding what our actions and our words bring about in our life and in the lives of others. The greatest sorrow of my heart are those things that I've said and done that have blocked up the path of others from the kingdom of heaven. There was a time in my life when I was so sure I was right. I'm not anymore. I know I'm not right. I know Jesus is the only right one. Eli should have humbled his heart. Eli should have wept before the Lord. But instead he blew the Lord off like he'd been doing all along. You speak to a a pastor, you speak to a church, you confront them with their sin. How soon can they get you out of there? Dismiss you, cut you off. Because they don't want to deal with their sin. They want to have the next party. They want to grow their church. They don't want to hear righteousness. Israel was involved in a battle with the Philistines. And Israel was defeated by the Philistines. 4,000 men died that day on the battlefield of Israel. 4,000 fathers and brothers died that day. Why? Because of Eli's sin, because of the two associate priests, because of their sin. So they decided they would bring the ark, the ark of the covenant, out of the tent of meeting. And these two wicked boys, two wicked men, married, adult, these two men, they bring out to the battlefield the Ark of the Covenant. Now they're treating the Ark of the Covenant like it's a magic potion or symbol. It's not. 
The glory of God is not a potion. It's not a symbolic, magical instrument. It's the presence of the Almighty God. It's a wonder they didn't all die. The Philistines hear that this ark has come into the camp. And they're terrified. And they're saying to each other, God has come into the camp. Children of Israel are not saying that. But the Philistines understand that. And their leaders say, conduct yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought. And Israel was defeated. The slaughter was great. 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel died on the field of battle that day. 30,000 fathers and brothers died. And the ark of God was captured. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were both killed. They died also. Now Eli is out sitting on a seat by the wayside watching with his heart trembling for the ark of of God. And a man came into the city and he cried out the news. And there's a great outcry, a great outcry. What does this mean, Eli says? He knows what it means. God's already told him what it means. Eli was 98 years old. He was blind, not just physically, but spiritually. But he still cared about the symbol of the ark. We still care about the symbol of the cross. We still care about the symbol of the church. We still care about the symbol of the Bible. But is it more than a symbol for you? The word comes of the great slaughter and that Hophni and Phinehas have both died and that the ark of God has been taken. It has been captured. Then it happened, when he made mention of the ark of God, that Eli fell off the seat backwards by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died, for the man was old and heavy. He judged Israel for 40 years. For 40 years, Eli had been the senior priest, the senior pastor of the church of God. And he'd lost his love for Jesus, for the God of heaven and earth. And the Lord no longer spoke to him. I heard a pastor say today, God has never spoken to me. I turned the radio off. If God has never spoken to him, he has nothing to say that will have any value for my life. I need the word of God. I need something straight and true from the Word of God. And he was continuing to talk in a very friendly manner. 
about how wonderful everything is in the church. Are you kidding me? While our nation goes to hell in a handbasket? While wickedness blossoms like a geyser of sewer spewing out into America? This man, a very popular national preacher, has never heard the voice of God. In fact, he doesn't even believe it's possible to hear the voice of God. That's why God bypassed Eli and went to a little boy. His his daughter-in-law is pregnant. She goes into childbirth. When she hears that her that her husband is dead and that her father-in-law is dead. She goes into the birth pangs and gives birth to a baby boy and dies as she's doing so. And she names this little boy Ichabod, saying the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God has been captured And because of her father-in-law and her husband, she says the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. The menorah is gone. The light, the fire of God is gone from the church. For 300 years, God has met with his Shekinah glory with the children of Israel in this place. If you were to go to Israel today, you could actually go to Shiloh, a place meaning peace, abundance. You could go there. It's a rock-strewn, flat area. And you could actually go where they believe the tabernacle was set up. It's outlined by stones. And you can stand in the compartment of the holy or the holy of holies. And there's no presence of God there. The glory of God has departed. We find in Revelation that God is causing his glory to depart from the church at Ephesus if they do not repent for their lack of love. All sin toward God comes out of a lack of love for Jesus. It erupts in unbelief. It erupts in every kind of wickedness. It even erupts in what Eli had, churchitis. Or somehow, we keep going to church. We keep reading the scripture. We keep listening to the songs. But our heart is dead and cold. Or lukewarm. And the presence of God is not with us. And he doesn't speak rhema words to our heart anymore because he has withdrawn. Oh, my brother, my sister, do you need to amend your behavior today? Do you need to change what you're doing? Listen to this reading. I'm going to read Psalm 78. I'll begin with verse 56. They put God to the test and rebelled against the Most High. 
They did not keep his statutes. Like their fathers, they were disloyal and faithless, in as unreliable as a faulty bow. They angered him with their high places. They aroused his jealousy with their idols. When God heard them, he was very angry, and he rejected Israel completely. He abandoned the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had set up among men. He sent the ark of his might into captivity, his splendor into the hands of the enemy. He gave his people over to the sword. He was very angry with his inheritance. Fire consumed their young men, and their maidens had no wedding songs. Their priests were put to the sword, and their widows could not weep. What a terrifying word! Terrifying! Now listen. The temple today is not a physical place. Yes, we can gather in a building and we call it church, but the church is the body made up of those who are committed to Jesus Christ, who have love for Jesus. It's not an institution. We need to ditch the institutional church. It is not what God has called for in this day. He's called for the New Testament church, a vibrant, living body. 1 Corinthians third chapter, verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. He'll treat you just like he treated Hophni and Phinehas. Again, 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. Verse 18, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Now again, in the book of Ephesians, I'm going to read in the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who is in need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, that is, do not cause the lampstand to be removed from your life or from your church. You can lose the lampstand, the menorah can be removed from your life. 
the menorah is what gives light to your inner spirit. The menorah is that which God has established in the church to burn and to draw men and women unto Jesus, to cause them to repent and get clean. But if you're living in a church that's dirty, you're like Eli and his sons, institutional, dead. Oh, everything is cranking. The special programs are cranking. The special speakers are coming. The concerts are going, charging big bucks for them. The church is dead, ugly. It's not growing. Oh, it may be growing, but it's not growing in righteousness, in revival. It's not flowing in the Spirit. The Spirit of God left it. It's now growing by guerrilla marketing, by the clever antics of man's heart, not by the Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornicators and all uncleanness, coveting, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, no unclean person, no man coveting, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the souls of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. My brother, my sister, do not be like Eli's sons, and do not be like Eli. And if you're in an Eli church today, like Lot was sitting in the middle of Sodom, leave now before God destroys that church. He will let it go on only for so long, and then he will bring it down. There's nothing sadder than the end of a church. I've been in that situation. There's nothing sadder being in a place where the word of God is not heard, where there are no visions, where God is silent. What is your condition before God today? Do you love Jesus with all of your heart? Do you walk righteously before him, sacrificing time and energy for his kingdom? Oh, Lord, would you come and minister to your people today? Will you come and let your word soak deeply into their hearts that they would know your love and your mercy and your compassion and would not 
just turn their faces aside. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. We have some needs for the radio broadcast that I want to bring to you. We are using a Mackie board, a 1202, and it's about to burn out. I'm struggling to keep it working, and when it goes out, I'm off the air. It's going to cost about 1000 to $1,200 to get the new board that we need. Would you pray about whether you should help with that? There is rent for the studio. There is the cost of Internet. There, is, there are many associated costs greater than just the cost for the buying of the airtime. If you'd like to participate and help with the overall expenses, would you write to me and would you help? And if you want to help, as you know, when we do the offertory at the end of the month, every penny in that offertory goes straight to covering the radio bill. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. In the middle of July, things are are very slow. People are on vacation. Finances are very tight. My eyes are lifted up. I trust Jesus. He has carried us, and he will continue to carry us. If you treasure this ministry, if you treasure the word that's spoken straight and honest and unvarnished, then would you step in and help? And God bless you as you do that. I'll look for your, I'll look for your letter. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Click the donate button. You can give online. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.